how I like to do things is uh, try to, I guess, attract people who believe in what we do. I, I'm not sure. I don't really have a stance on this, but that would be the way I'd go through this. It will hmm. be more about building a steady audience over time instead of something quickly. Because I feel like if, let's say, one video goes viral, I'm not sure how many of those people would stick around opposed to if you build it slowly. Um, and you, it, you actually attract people who believe in what you do. Welcome to the fifth and last episode of the Entrepreneurial Mindset for season one. Once again, I'm your host, Vabe. And I'm Edward. And today we're joined by two close and longtime members of the Jenny family, Melissa Q and Alan Lee, who are the marketing and brand directors for Gen E, respectively. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you for having us. Yeah, so just for the audience at home, uh, we'll start with you, Mel. Um, so uh, for everyone that's listening, um, her full name is Melissa, but she does prefer to be called Mel. So we'll just roll with that for now. Um, so yeah, we'll start with you, Mel. Can you give us just a quick rundown of you know who you are and what you do? Yeah, so um, currently um, I study at UCID. I'm studying science and dentistry and I'm heading into postgrad dentistry soon. But in my science degree, I'm actually studying finance and psychology because I have a bit of interest in those areas. So my degree is a bit all over the place. But um, apart from uni, I do marketing at um, Gen E and I've been here since I uh, turned 17. So that's about four years um, in my spare time. Um, I just like to do film and photography and, um, you know, a bit of Rubik's Cube here and there. Cool. Yeah, thanks for that. And Alan? Hey guys, I'm Alan. And I love everything to do with film, uh, games and branding here at Generation Entrepreneur. And so I spend most majority of my time watching movies and consuming as much content as possible, just really creating, making videos, and pretty much learning everything I can about branding. Yeah. For yeah, everyone so. listening, yeah, for everyone listening at home, um, Alan is the one that actually introduced me to Jenny because uh, we worked together at Converse as well. And that's when he first, I remember when he first started, um, he, was, he was always talking about it and I always wondered what it was. And then he brought me on and then here we are today. Yeah, now we're here. It's kind of kind of crazy, <laughs> like sweet. how he first first joined Converse and then you joined Jenny. It's a, yeah, it's just a recurring cycle that you guys are helping each other out with that, which is like pretty cool to see. But along those lines, um, so obviously before um, Vabe joined Jenny, there's obviously a bit of a time gap, um, and so we were just wondering how both of you guys first started your journey at Jenny, because I think out of all the members, you know, you've seen across time, you know, uh, I don't want to use the word replace, but a lot of people come and go. Um, but you guys have been here since almost the inception of Jenny itself, which is quite a while. Um, and so, yeah, how you got started and your sort of journey across that to where you guys are at now for being directors. Um, for the organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I'll kick off then. So my first um, encounter with Gen E was in 2016. I was a year 10 student and I was participating in our flagship hackathon, Initiate 48. Um, I actually got a free ticket. So I was like, yeah, I should go. And it was in the middle of the holiday. <laughs> I actually just came out of like, <laughs> came out of a breakup and I was like, man, I need to go renew myself. So then I, I went to I-48 and I really loved the experience there. I actually had a team of mostly um, new, new, I guess, students who I've never met before. And we didn't end up winning, but I think the entire experience and how, I guess, exciting and I would even say like thrilling it was um, really drew me to the team. And what stood out to me was the, um, the vibrant energy of the core members at Jenny. Um, and I saw a recruitment drive all around. And at that point, I had been at the peak of my um, video editing and filming, I guess, shenanigans at school. And so I just thought, mm -hmm, okay, I'm going to try out for the marketing team. Luckily, they liked me. So I, I joined uh, the year after. And from then, I've just been mainly working on marketing ever since. Um, but that's why I 
joined um, as to why I stayed for so long. Um, I think I've kicked up so many skills along the way. I mean, I started off as a 16-year-old and um, I had so many mentors guide me along the way. So now I'm here, um, not, I wouldn't say I'm that qualified yet to be a director, um, but um, really love what I do and really love the family here. Yeah, thanks for that. And Alan? For me, my journey was very similar to Noel's. Um, fresh out of high school is when I first was introduced to Generation Unknown. Uh, my sister actually bought me a ticket. So she works with the Liverpool, Liverpool City Council. And she came across these young kids who were running these incredible programs. They're like, you have to be part of this. And so for Christmas, she bought me a ticket to initiate 48. I had no idea what it was about. I just quick from a quick Facebook search, it was like business building competition. I was like, holy crap, what did she get me into? I can't say <laughs> no to a gift. <laughs> I gotta go. And so I went, I'm, I'm glad that I did go. Uh, it completely blew my mind. Uh, before Initiate 48, I'd always been interested in business. I've always wanted to start my own business. But I think the problem that I along myself, like um, that a lot of kids have, or people who have who wants to start and just is like they don't know where to start it's such a huge space to cover right and so coming to this program it was inspiring to see all these young high school students who are either either the same age or even younger come up with these incredible ideas um and they were able to like build it build their ideas and pitch it over over the span of 48 hours and it was just an incredible environment so along with the team, the students there, but also the core team members, as Noel mentioned, they're incredible. And to me, it was, it blew my mind that they're like, again, similar age or even younger. To me, like, it was, I think even Mel, there was like high school students running this program. And it was like, that blew my mind. And it's like, how could these people who are the same age yet create, work together so seamlessly to create an incredible experience? And it's like, that is what I want to be part of. It's this feeling, this energy, and how these kids were talking about things that they were passionate about. Did I want to do this forever? And so coming out the program, they had a recruitment drive. And so I applied and luckily I got in. Um, and yeah, since then I've been part of the marketing team. Um, same again, like why I decided to stick around for so long. It's, it's always, it's the same thing that I felt at Initiate 48. And it's something that I wanted to feel over and over. It's helping these students who come in, they have no idea, or they didn't even believe in themselves and their ideas. And so just going up to them, it's like, hey, what are you passionate about? Uh, let's talk about that. And how can we actually bring that um, into a, like, a legitimate business over these past three hours? And just to see the energy that they bring and how alive they feel, it's that energy that I really love. And that's probably why I, I stuck around for so long. Yeah, I, I, I can 120% wholeheartedly agree with that. I think one of the uh, recurring themes that's actually kind of funny is that for both you guys, it just it started off with that one ticket. Um, and it wasn't even that that ticket was something that like, you know, you knew about like, like Willy Wonka's like golden ticket, like that everyone knows about. And you're like, yo, I, I need to get that ticket. It's just, it was like something that handed like, or that occurred by chance, you know, for Mel, it was free. It was just like, oh, like, why not? I'll just give it a try. And the exact same for Alan. It was a gift from your sister. Right. Um, and in, in a different way, but for me, I, I didn't even know what Jenny was about. Um, I, I actually hadn't heard of it, um, but a friend um, told me about the recruitment drive. Um, and I saw that was for marketing. I was like, you know what? Hey, I'll, I'll give it a go. Um, and I remember initially joining and that like, it was um, still hard to see like what it was fully about um, until I like lockdown sort of died down a bit and we were actually able to run an in-person I-48. And it, it was like when I joined that and I was a part of those three days where I was like really hooked. So I can see how you guys were also like sort of 
um you know i guess hooked in by that energy which is kind like, of addictive kind of right <laughs> it's like yeah, oh, i yeah, want to keep going back i want to go to every single i48 there is um no matter how tired you are because like essentially it's three days three full days where you're working from 9 a.m to like 10 p.m um but we keep coming back because of just how good the energy is and it's so hard to describe to you know everyone at home listening but uh, Trust, trust us on this man and very it's very it's where it's at come to i48 i'm plugging here <laughs> it's really rewarding right because yeah. even before initiate 48 we spend months preparing everything right and I, I i really want you guys to experience this right because you guys put all this hard work in and it because of lockdown we only had like what some online programs it's like dude you have to experience this this is why we say this is like why we do what we do uh, yeah yeah and so it's like oh, what do you guys experience i know like even like talk to babe on the way home and even talking yeah. to you guys it's like dude, you, it's a feeling that you can't kind of describe it makes it sort of worth all this hard work that we put in. yeah no yeah. yeah building upon that you guys both uh, everyone here we're all part of the marketing team but you guys have been part of this since 2017, 2018. So what about marketing um, like has stuck with you guys and you've had opportunities to even change teams or do other things like programs. Um, mm. How come you guys have stuck with marketing? If uh, you want to start now. Yeah, a um, couple of reasons for this. Um, one thing is, well, I'm of a personal belief of if you're good at something, um, do it well. Um, so this doesn't mean I'm limiting my self growth and that I'm not going to ever experience other, I don't know, um, uh, teams and other, and dapple into different fields. Um, but this just means I want to be the best at what I'm doing. And that's kind of the mindset that I, I kind of live by. If, for example, <laughs> I'm heading into dentistry. I know nothing about science yet and I know nothing about health, but um, I'm going to go in it thinking mm, I'm going to be the best at this because I put my mind to it. So that's kind of why I stuck with marketing. But also the second reason is I um, really enjoy um, being able to pursue an outlet for creativity. Um, and considering my very conventional selective school to you know, university kind of route that um, kind of restrained me to, I guess, a very uh, traditional type of learning. Um, I originally wanted to be a film director. So I think this was a good outlet for me to um, ex explore um, video editing and photography, etc. Yeah, that's exactly kind of why I have chosen marketing and I do marketing degrees because it allows you to be creative. And if you've always been creative, it's such a good outlet to express that. Um, what about for you, Alan? Mm, for me, it was one because of, um, I generally just like creating things. I'm, I consider myself more creative than in, if, in, if anything. And so the reason why I just stuck around was because there's so much to learn. And so I've never felt like I was done with marketing. There's, there's always new things to learn here and there, always new skills. And so it's like, I, for me, it's like, I like Mel will give it all my all and I won't completely drop it unless I feel like I've given them my all. And so I, I don't think I'm done with marketing yet or branding yet. And so there's a lot to do, but yeah, I think what really kicked it off for me was um, Apple actually. I love oh, really? like, yeah, yeah. Yo, Alan's the biggest plug for Apple. Yo, I love yeah. Apple. Just from the way they tell the story through the ads, and it's just everything about Apple from the customer experience to the music choice to the way they film the videos. I just love that. And if I was to do something like that, yeah, that's what truly makes me happy. And so that's why I stuck around for marketing. So mm. Yeah, I think. That's actually like really amazing. And actually, I think could be encapsulated by that saying like jack of all trades, but master of none. Um, you know, like no initially like uh, like doesn't obviously want to limit to herself to just marketing itself. But um, the fact that you guys want to fully explore every avenue that's possible and 
really take the time to learn about it rather than just dabble in it just a little bit and then move on and say, okay, I'm done with marketing now. You know, I've been there. Um, and yeah, I think the, the depth to how creative you can be is truly limitless, which is like what makes it um, like so fun, but also challenging at the same time to tackle. And I think having that balance within marketing and branding is like uh, a really great thing to have. Um, but along those lines, Alan, you you talked about Apple that you know that that's something that inspire you. You know the way that they operate with regards to their ads, um, which actually leads on to the next question, which is what inspires both of you guys creatively. So we obviously have touched on Apple, but um, you know, are there any sort of other brands or other um, you know content creators out there that you know that you've watched where you seem like, wow, I wish I could do something like that, or like that that was like really interesting. Um, so yeah. Alan, do you want to start us off? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so there's like three creators that I really love on YouTube. They're, yeah, my top three. So starting with one, someone that I've been following for a while now, uh, Matt Diavella. And so he's huge on minimal, minimalism and also self-development. And so just the way that he tells his stories is through, because he's originally a filmmaker, right? And so he uses all these filmmaking techniques and just to make incredible videos but also the way he tells the stories from different angles. And he also adds in like snippets of podcasts to further expand on these ideas. And he's very genuine. You can, he's not afraid of making fun of himself or showing that he's imperfect. And one thing that's really interesting to me and among all these creators that I'm going to list is that it really feels like you're building a genuine connection with them. And that's just something that I love really. And so so I have Matt Diavello, I have Colin and Samin. And so they have so their duo and they cover the creator creator economy. And so they just talk about all these different creators and what's going in the creative space. But the way they do it is really short and succinct and how they tell the stories is incredible. Uh, second, or lastly, is moment. And so they're these um, it's a photography brand. And so they primarily primarily make these small little lenses that can fit um, on your camera, on your phone actually. So they create these cases and it has like these little lenses for it. But what makes them truly special and I love them is just how, just following their journey from my little startup to reviewing products and then how they built this genuine connection with their, their community and how now they're working with huge brands like Sony, like Fujifilms, and how even they got their products into the Apple store. And so when you see Apple ads on Instagram, they're using moments of lenses and to see that growth over time and now even seeing them as parents, right? It's a beautiful journey. And it's something that I want to do here is create that unique experience here, um, unique connection with that audience. And because we're so, I guess, young and fresh this business um, generation entrepreneur we want i want them to kind of grow with us over the, over the next couple of years yeah so those are my favorite creators yeah that's that's amazing to hear i i think um that really interesting bit about seeing that company grow over time as well is something that you witness in a lot of people um, and in a lot of companies as well. Um, like obviously the most extreme examples that are shown, like especially on the entrepreneurial side is with stuff like Amazon and, you know, Tesla and how they you know, started as a very small company in someone's basement. And then, you know, like absolutely skyrocketed to where it's at. But, you know, you have a lot of these companies, which is actually what Gigi talked about in, uh, the last podcast is that there's a whole space in between, you know, um, between that one person in their garage to the to the Amazons and the Teslas. And um, when you witness these 
things and companies growing up, it, it's extremely satisfying to see. And I think the same goes for, for Jenny, right? Um, you know, when you think about Jenny's inception, um, six years ago, it was, you know, at a single high school and they ran programs like during their lunch times. And now we're running a program throughout the entire country, um, which is the scale of that in just five to six years is absolutely mind boggling. Um, so yeah, um, Mel, is there like, you, you talked about that you were thinking about becoming like a film director. So is there anything else that might come across your mind? You know, it doesn't have to be only content creators. Um, is there any sort of maybe movies that, you know, you have a personal favorite of or directors that, you know, artistically you're like, oh, um, you know, that's something I'm really into. Like for me personally, I really like, uh, Nolan's films and the, the way he composes his shots, yeah. Mm, um, well, if you were to ask my favourite movie, um, I have a very straightforward answer, and that's um, Train to Busan. It's a Korean movie. Um, it's a thriller, um, which is my favourite genre. Um, it's a bit of a kind of nostalgic childhood memory because I watched it um, with my best friend when I was 16, so it's just remained as my favourite movie. But I could go on and on and on about how it talks about human morality and um, the divide just between, I guess, um, humans when you're faced with life-threatening situations. And I just thought the depiction of raw emotion in the midst of um, such an, I guess, it's it's a zombie apocalypse film, right? Being able to depict human emotion in something that's stereotypically just, you know, for like entertainment and for thrill and to scare you, um, I thought was incredibly incredibly um impressive so that would be uh, my favorite film i love this so much that i wrote like three essays on it yes <laughs> yeah um alan do you have a favorite film oh man that's tough oh wow i didn't think about this uh, for me it has to be i'd say the batman trilogy by christopher nolan yeah I really like those. Those it, before that, uh, I've never really been a big fan of Batman, and so just to see his character arc over those three movies, um, it's been incredible. So even before like this Batman, the only Batmans I've seen was like uh, the ones where they're like in skin tight suits, and it, it was horrible in my opinion. Um, so <laughs> this was very, very different, and so just the way he shot it the character development and the music used throughout it that really i guess made it my favorite yeah i think um especially with the music um i don't know if you guys will be familiar with the name but it is quite popular han zimmer um yeah he's the he's the dude that like essentially he literally changed how both music trailers, I'm oh, sorry, um, movie trailers and um, how the music like game changed essentially with, I think 2010 or 11 when Inception came out. Um, mm -hmm. So that like, you know, I, I can't recreate it with my mouth. It's the, it's the, like the deep, like basic, it's like, boom, like, <laughs> like they, they, they like added that into like every, like every epic movie trailer. Um, yeah. And he like changed again and he's like been so consistent and he's pretty much always been with Nolan, like side by side. Um, and so, yeah, I'm also a big fan. And I think the Dark Knight trilogy is definitely up there as my personal favorites um, creatively. Um, one weird angle I gotta give a shout out to is definitely some animated movies. Um, yeah, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like animated movies get not a bad rep, but just a lot of the time they get pushed to the side as just like movies for kids. Um, when I think it's a lot more than that. Um, so like some of my personal favorites are like, um, Wally, Lilo and Stitch, Mulan, um, Pocahontas, uh, like a lot of these movies do explore like some really deep themes. If you just take the time to actually look into it, like I'm sure for you, Mel, like Train to Busan was like something that like, you know, for most people, it was just like just another 
zombie flick, right? You just mm-hmm. watched it for the thrills and it was just like, oh, okay, so it was a yeah, pretty scary movie and then people move on, right? Um, but for you, you obviously connected to it on a much deeper level um, because there was just something that um, you saw that was different. Um, and I feel the same towards animated movies. I think especially Kung Panda. That's like uh, one of my yeah. all-time favorite <laughs> movies. I can literally quote like every single love Kung Fu but, panda what's your favorite quote edward favorite favorite quote that's so hard um uh, uh it's so cliched but it definitely has to be Uguay's bit yeah <laughs> yeah yeah Wait, like i still have it you know like the um so it's like you know the past is history and the future is a mystery but the present uh but today is a gift and that's why it's called the present um and like you know it's uh, so heartwarming yeah it is. I, I just love that scene between him and Poe um but yeah it's just um I think like not only do movies like go to shape us like creatively but in just some ways even personality wise like um, I know, like, some of my personal values have actually come from movies that, like, I've seen, like, so many times, like, over and over again. Um, but, yeah, uh, along those lines, is there any sort of maybe memorable aesthetics or art styles that you guys have seen from movies over the past years that, like, maybe comes to mind? um like uh for me personally um i'm really into the whole like um like east asian aesthetic um i guess it would probably be most well known from like japan you know with the cherry blossoms and like that sort of art style um i can't do the art myself but I do have a couple posters like around the room and stuff that like has that sort of aesthetic um has it it doesn't even have to be that but just anything that you guys have even from like classical paintings or like anything that you've seen that you know you're like I I like that and maybe have even tried to apply in your own works um doesn't just have to be limited to paintings it can be of course anything that maybe comes to mind yeah um, I'm pretty into art, um, so um, I guess it's pretty mainstream. But my favorite movements would be postmodernism or contemporary art. Um, I guess the whole point of postmodernism is to refute what was traditionally um, accepted as art and challenging what people um, could consider an artist as well. So I guess. Um, the most notable postmodern work is um, Marcel Duchamp's Toilet. Have you guys seen it? You know the, um, no? Okay, well, he, he, he basically got a an urinal and he flipped it upside down. He put it in a gallery setting and he called that art. Um, and during this time, um, oh, damn, I'm forgetting the year. Uh, not 1960s or something. Um, obviously, it was something that, that was really looked down upon. It's just going to be really awkward if I got the year completely wrong. But um, yeah, so obviously it was going to be uh, really looked um, down upon in that time and age, but to be daring enough to do something like that and um, concentrate on the process of art making rather than the final product and the artistic intention behind the work, I thought um, just really fascinated me. Like someone had to have like balls to be able to do that. And contemporary art, I think, look it it in its most basic form puts forward so many political and cultural issues um and the purpose is to shock you I guess and one of my favorite artists for that is Ai Weiwei have you guys heard of Ai Weiwei no no (laughs) wow okay well Ai Weiwei is like a like a he's a Chinese artist and he's been expelled I don't know if that's the right word um banned from China because of um how uh, politically uh, woke, I would say, his works are and how much it exposes, I guess, um, 
tendencies of the Chinese government um, and his critique of it. So he's not allowed back in China. He's been put into jail multiple times. Um, one of my favorite works from Ai Weiwei is called Sunflower Seeds. And Sunflower Seeds is a really, it's, it's an entire gallery with an entire floor filled with porcelain seeds um, that resemble the Chinese snacks, sunflower seeds. But each of these seeds are made by um, Chinese workers um, or laborers. And he's really commenting on, I guess, mass consumption and all of that jazz um, and how the phenomenon made in China has come out to be. But essentially it's like a huge room with millions of sunflower seeds and you can step inside it and I guess really uh, absolve the the Chinese culture. Mm. <laughs> Those are my two of my favorite artists. I googled it. Yeah. I googled it, Mel. That toilet art. It was it was nineteen seventeen. Nineteen seventeen. Oh my yeah. god. Sorry, man. Oh my god. Please don't cancel me. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I'm meant to be teaching visual arts. You know, like this is so, so great. <laughs> Bro, cut it out. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, well, now you know. <laughs> now, well, now you know. Um, but yeah, I, I think like one of, at least for me, one of the most interesting points that you touched on with postmodernism and especially with the, the work um, that both um, Ai Weiwei, did you say? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the artist that made the toilet artwork um, is that I, I love that word that you're challenging right you're, you're essentially challenging the status quo of what's been done in the past you know the same old and I, I think um like the reason why alan's so attached to apple is that um you know they essentially changed the game completely with the smartphone back in 2007 you know people like didn't even know like the, the concept of it was just like impossible before you know apple put put it forward into reality they they broke the status quo with that um and i think that that's something that's like prevalent not only throughout art but um within the entrepreneurial space in general um and this is another note that we talked about with uh not only Gigi but also with esmond and you know with everyone in the podcast since is that uh you know, it's about that that innovation and bringing something forward, um, which I think is a really cool sort of recurring theme to have throughout everything. Um, so yeah, I think that was just a, a cool way to sort of um, tie everything together. Um, but yeah, uh, like, so if we were to sort of bring it um, to something that's also quite similar since, cause you know, we're all in marketing. Um, one question that I just had in mind was like, what do you guys think about like the social media trends over the year? And like, how, like, how do you guys, like, what is your thought process in terms of wanting to, to create something viral? Or do you think it would be better to try and create a steady audience over time. Um, and yeah, just like try and get you guys thoughts around that. Cause uh, I think it's a very just interesting topic overall. For me, how I like to do things is uh, try to, I guess, attract people who believe in what we do I, I'm not sure, if, I don't really have a stance on this, but that would be the way I'd go through this. It will mm. be more about building a steady audience over time instead of something quickly. Because I feel like if, let's say one video goes viral, I'm not sure how many of those people would stick around opposed to if you build it slowly. Um, and you, it, you actually attract people who believe in what you do. Yeah, that'd be my answer. Mm. Yeah, echo what Alan says said um but the topic of social media challenges itself is very interesting i think it goes by the premise that no one wants to join a challenge late and that's why there's such a hype around it um people are so excited that uh oh actually i actually think it's a fear of missing out um they don't want to miss out on this 
crazy trend and they don't want to miss out on being part of this community. So they all jump onto this um, challenge, whether that be the AOS bucket challenge or like a planking challenge. Um, they all go ahead and do it, but challenges come and go. And you don't want your audience to come and go. You don't want your followers to come and go. You want them to stay with you and really believe in your mission. Um, so although I think social media challenges and social media itself is very powerful and um, can reach such a this audience, um, comes back to how well you can portray yourself in a genuine manner and your mission so that people who really believe in what you do stay with you. Yeah, I, I. Sorry, there oh. you go. No, that's alright. Um, I think that's really true. I think you can find that with cre some creators as well, that gain traction very quickly, but then they also um kind of lose the limelight very quickly as well. Um, one thing I always think about when I think about social media is, the quicker you rise, the quicker you fall. So like the more hardships yours rise to the top has faced the more you learn from it and the more it's likely to last. Um, so I, I, I think it's really good that you guys both also see it from that perspective as well. Yeah, uh, like I, I totally agree as well, um, just because I think um, uh, there's like extending it to one of my favourite personal content creators that I've been watching uh I've been binging a lot of his videos recently, but uh, he goes by the name Tom Scott. Um, and he's just a, a British guy that um, goes around to interesting places. Um, I just, I love his, his honesty um, that he puts forward. And one of uh, the bits, uh, there's a video that I really do like, which is uh, he, his video title is like, why you don't want to go viral. Um, and the reason why is because um, as soon as you do go viral, um, you do have a massive audience, right? Obviously, like like something that might hit millions of views. But as soon as you have that, um, you're essentially like setting yourself up for failure because you need to come up with something that is better than that. And you're, you're essentially always chasing your past um which obviously restricts you creatively you you like you can't explore different avenues and that's what um makes it extremely difficult so i'm happy that you guys have the same mindset that it's you know sort of consistency of building up an audience over time rather than trying to have that social media challenge that goes viral um i think uh, the ones that we mentioned earlier, obviously quite outdated now. Yeah, <laughs> so old. Like, yeah, back in like early high school. But like one of it was like the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge, which I think raised like, um, I don't know how much, but like million, like, like in the high millions of dollars um, for ALS, which obviously was amazing. But I remember the, the controversy from behind it, which was... Um, First of all, for that year, so much money went into it, but um, all the other charities were complaining because they got almost no money, um, you know, like, and um, for causes that were affecting so much more people, you know, like um, for helping homeless people or um, breast cancer, which obviously affects much more, like many more people, um, like population wise than ALS did at the time. Um, and so there was a lot of problems around that, but even if you don't count that the next year after that, um, the funding was just way lower and mm. ALS just eventually just, you know, um, died essentially in, in, in like, you just never heard about it ever again. Um, and so it's like, it, it was good, um, but it, it like, it, it's just such a controversial way to raise awareness at the same time, if that makes sense, because most people were just doing it to clout chase with absolutely no idea what even ALS was. Um, and 
so yeah it's it, like even some ways just like trying to go viral we, um there's just a lot of factors that you just have to be i guess um wary about um which you might not even think of yeah it i think it's yeah, I think like that opposed the idea of um, this thing called slacktivism. It's activism, but through social media. So it's kind of um, slack. That's where the name comes from. It's like uh, where you you uh, participate in the hype of a challenge and in the hype of a cause, but there's no real call to action. And there's no real um, definitive move that you can do to help change it. It's just oh, spreading awareness, but that in itself um, doesn't really do anything. Yeah, I thought that was just an interesting thing to add on to what you said, Edward. Mm. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, I think, sorry, uh, uh, babe, did you have something else? Um, yeah, what I was going to say was, so I guess in a way, even through these social media trends, what you kind of look for is creating long-term impact, right? Mm. And what I want to kind of bring the, the conversation to is how is you guys who have been both in leadership positions been conducting how you go about things in terms of the fact that you want to leave a long-term impact whether it be on Jenny or just in your own personal lives that has positively impact impacted other people so just to rephrase my question basically how do you look to leave a long-term impact in your leadership role for me it's more about to me it's about how can we get you guys to become leaders yourself, right? It's like, how can we, I guess, help you guys, support you guys along the journey? What are your goals and how can we help you get there? One of the things that we talk about um, here at Generation Entrepreneur, it's like, and when hiring, especially, it's like a two-way street, right? It's like, how can you help us and how can we help you get where we want to go? And so Mel and I, we, and the whole team, we spend a lot of time thinking about uh, what are your individual strengths and where do you guys want to go? And so we hold these uh, monthly personal development plans to talk about um, what do you guys want to work on? Um, what are your dream jobs? And how can we help you there? Go get there. And so where I want to leave impact is more about mindset and also how you feel. Uh, more about how you feel about, uh, I guess, leadership, um, how I am as a leader also. There's this quote where I which I really like, and I feel like um, it represents a lot of the t people here at the team, on the team is uh, people forget what you say or what you do, but they'll never forget how they made you feel. And it's this feeling that, oh, it's this quote, it's very special. Uh, when thinking about all the people who have left, there's always this warm feeling uh, that's in within, within me when I think about these people. And it's something that hopefully that Mel and I leave with you guys. So these people are awesome, these people, but also they helped <laughs> us grow a lot as individuals. Um, and so, yeah, I really do hope that we it can impact you in that kind of way. How wholesome, Alan, you, <laughs> I was, you know, having a backlog in my mind of all the things that I could add on to what you said, but you literally said everything. I have like nothing to add on. Like I um, really echo everything that Alan said about um, um, fostering like a good community and a warm environment so that um, we can help each other grow. And essentially it's just giving back, right? If I joined Generation Entrepreneur as um, a little high school year old and it's helped me so much in terms of personal development, the, uh, the least I can do is provide like support with the uh, next generation of people who, who, who come into the team pun not intended but um <laughs> yeah so apart from that though it's more than just a team it's how can I make lasting impact on the high school students who attend our events and um you know so the team at Gen E we buddy these high school students and we we literally um stay with them for the entire three days of the event. We stress about the idea with them. We ideate with them. We try to find a solution to the problem with them. And we, you know, sit for hours, like almost to the point of, damn, like I'm stressed. Like I'm not even pitching, but I really hope you guys do well, et cetera. It's, it's, it's fostering that kind of energy and um, supportiveness that these high school students will, will like uh, remember and take with them and know that, um, 
everyone here is at the Jenny team is here to support them even if they graduate from high school and move on to further ventures. Yeah, I, I think that's that's wonderful. And the, the note that you guys touched on that, like, not not only is it internal, but external. Um, if I could um, relate that to something on a podcast that I heard uh, with Kevin Hart and the, the way that he said that the job of every single adult, whether they like it or not, so it doesn't even matter whether you have kids or not, but it's to leave the earth better than when you joined it um and i think alan touched on that exactly just on a smaller scale right that i think leaders right want to lead not only lead their team um you know to be excellent while you're there but to fully prepare them to be better once you do leave right um to make sure that they're in a more capable and a better position to do so. And I don't know, I think something about that is just absolutely wonderful. <laughs> like, um, and yeah, it's, it's obviously not an easy process to do. Um, you know, you guys, um, as directors in and ourselves, we've obviously made many mistakes along the way. We're still learning. Um, and so my question um, to you guys, and I'm sure everyone else listening can relate to, is um, what were some important sort of steps and I, I guess lessons that you guys have learned along the way at not only at Gen E, but just from a personal development point of like view that, you know, has helped you um, along the way, you know, um, in terms of whether it's um, how you receive, you know, constructive feedback or, you know, how you see your own work and just anything in between. Mm, I can start. For me, it's always having a go because you don't want to be left with the what if, like what if I continued with this? What if I just stuck with that? And along this journey, there was always times where I guess you doubted yourself or you might have had like uh, imposter syndrome. And so I'll give you an example where I didn't stick with something, where I did stick with something and just the lessons from both. For example, first example was like um, in high school, I, when drop shipping was a huge thing, I, I started my own store and I remember um, it was said so the store was about home decor, right? Decorating your house, making it look nice. And I made this Instagram page. I've been posting there for a while. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I just liked making your house look nice, right? And so there was this one post that I made where it was like, I forgot the theme of it, but it was like, oh, like um, happy X day, like check out this theme of this house. And I had this one comment, it's like, that's not what it is. I was like, wait a minute, they're on to me. <laughs> I, <laughs> I deleted the account. I deleted my Shopify. I was like, dude, babe. You deleted straight away from one <laughs> yeah. comment? Alan. Yeah. yeah. And I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, dude, what if I just stuck with it? Like, yeah, man, who cares about that one commenter? One comment. yeah. And it was like, my heart was pounding. I was like, oh my God, they're onto me. They know I'm faking it. <laughs> I really do like it. <laughs> yeah. And just the other day, I was thinking about, like, what if I actually did stuck with it? And like, where could I have been now with that store? And the other example where I did stick through something, Jenny, right? Starting out, you make so many mistakes and there's so many times where I wanted to quit, right? And it was like, I always had this, I was like, oh, all right, I'll, I'll give it one more try before I quit. And I'm glad that I actually did stay on. Um, I'm glad that I always say one more time uh, before I actually quit, because uh, I would have been, I'm, would have been able to become the person I am today without all those, I guess, mistakes. And I've grown so much over the, the time, the three years that I've been here, and I would have made it those two extra years and learned as much as I can. I would have been able to have the opportunity of becoming a leader if I quit back then. And so for me, it's always give it a go, give it almost like another go if you want to quit but yeah just see it through yeah all the way 
So, what a beautiful story, Alan. Like, I'm about to cry, man. Um, but another. <laughs> yeah, everyone can relate to it. Yeah, but Alan's such a humble guy. But also, like, another story touching on what Alan said is, um, in applying to be a marketing director in the first place, Alan actually wasn't going to give it a shot. Um, he had another member um, really encourage him and really push him and tell Alan that you know you you do such a good job at marketing and um, you really need to believe in yourself so I think um, that's just another example of how like I was stuck through with um, giving something a shot and you know look how far you've come now I yeah, think thanks so much for that guys I think that's <laughs> a, a beautiful note to kind of wrap up this episode and this kind of season with that sentiment of just giving it a go and saying one more time, you know, before you decide about quitting and see where and leave or lead life with no regrets, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So we will wrap it up there, but like I completely echo what Babe and Mel and Ellen have been saying, look, give it a go guys, you know, Gigi, Esmond and Jack and, Hannah and Blake and Max and every single person that we've interviewed uh, for the podcast um, of the entrepreneurial mindset, uh, they've all echoed the same thing, whether it's for a startup or whether it's for your own personal project, um, personal development. Um, Yeah, just to give it a go. (laughs) Um, And you never know where it'll take you. And, you know, like Alan mentioned, you might stumble here and there but to also not to give up and give it a second try because you never really know where it can take you and on that note we will conclude not only this episode but season one as well and so i'd like to thank uh both mel and alan for joining us um and also for my co-host vape who has uh, been here for the entire journey um and a final warm thank you to the audience listening along with us um if there's anything we can improve on uh please feel to provide us some feedback and also drop a like if you'd like to let us know for a second season. All right, we're signing off now. I'm Edward. And I'm Paige. And this was The Entrepreneurial Mindset. See you guys. guys.